0: Hi, this is Kendall Boyson, professional life and recovery coach, and you're listening to Encouragementology, the practice of instilling hope. Hi there. Thanks for joining me. On this show, we are in search of a better vantage point and a little patience as we find awareness and understanding for ourselves and others. On this journey of self-discovery, it's time for a check-in. Do we know where we are? Where we're going and why? Are we happy with our progress? If not, why? And a question that shouldn't be overlooked, what can we do to get back on track, get satisfied, or push ahead? It's easy to get lost in self-help mantras and top 10 lists, all the while assuming you're doing some quality work and experiencing growth in leaps and bounds. But can you be objective? Aren't you searching because you don't have all the answers? If you were there, would you be able to recognize it, having never been there before? All good exploratory questions, perfect for our check-in. Let's take a moment and check our toolbox and map. What are you using to guide your journey of self-discovery? Have you found journaling to be helpful? Are you detailing your day, chronicling visions for your future, or barely recording the important moments? Do you have an accountability partner, therapist, or trusted friend you share updates with? Are you finding time to nurture yourself? Me time, yoga time, prayer time, nature time, etc.? Are you pulling it together in one cohesive approach or more of a scattershot trying anything that promises to feel good. We might need a little direction to get us started or to kickstart our relaunch. Maggie Wool gives us 10 self-discovery techniques to help you find yourself, found at betterup.com. You may have tried some self-discovery techniques over the years. Maybe you felt down about your job, so you spent time journaling, or unsure about your career path, so you tried a new hobby. We all question who we truly are at some point on the journey. In the past, however, you may have gotten distracted and forgotten to continue the process of self-discovery. Life gets busy, and we can lose our authentic selves when we get caught up in jobs we aren't passionate about or relationships that aren't good for us. But why does self-discovery matter? Do you really need to take the time to try out self-discovery techniques? Well, research shows that being connected to your true self is directly linked to your sense of meaning in life. Feeling like your life has meaning can help you be happier, have a more successful career, and overall improved well-being. Not to mention, getting in touch with your inner self will give you a better understanding of your life's purpose. But the process of self-discovery isn't easy. You'll need focus, commitment, and a readiness to take action. Whether you're happy in your career or completely lost in life, there's no bad time to try out some self-discovery techniques. We can all benefit from a greater connection to our true selves. Let's dive into what self-discovery is and how you can get started. Self-discovery is the process of learning more about who you are so that you can better recognize and understand your authentic self. You might already know what your core values are and your general likes and dislikes. Self-discovery goes much deeper than this. Self-knowledge is crucial to understanding and regulating your emotions, personality traits, and your behaviors. It gives you greater self-awareness, the ability to set better goals, and the potential to achieve more personal growth. Self-discovery is important because it allows us to look at our lives and determine what's missing. Are you satisfied with your career? Do you want to change your lifestyle? How are your physical health and wellness? What about your mental wellness? After identifying what's missing, you can take steps towards filling the gaps. Knowing yourself also means you can be more mindful about setting goals that are right for you. You won't need to rely on extrinsic motivation to move towards goals that reflect your personal values. As a result, you'll be more likely to achieve those goals. Self-discovery is an ongoing process. You won't find your sense of self scrolling through social media or buying new clothes. Your journey of self-discovery will test your resilience and strength. It will also be inspiring, meaningful, and an excellent opportunity to grow. Maybe you've already decided to gain some self-knowledge, but you don't know where to begin. Here's the thing. There's no correct way to go about this journey. It's yours. If you find a technique that works for you but not others, it doesn't mean you're doing it wrong. Still, some self-discovery techniques might help you get in touch with your values and desires. So here are 10 to try. Visualizing your ideal self and lifestyle. Think about your passions, interests, and dreams. Get out of your comfort zone and try new things. Consider each of your skills, no matter how big or small they are. Reflect on what you admire the most about yourself. Journal your experiences, life changes, and thoughts. Talk with a life coach to strategize your next moves. Listen to podcasts or read books about other people's journeys to inspire yourself. Strengthen your mental health and well-being. Let go of other people's image and expectations of you and follow your internal compass. Your self-discovery journey doesn't require you to reinvent yourself unless you want to. You can simply desire to understand yourself better. Maybe you want to be more in control of your life or feel a sense of agency when planning your future. You also surely want to feel like you can accomplish your goals. You don't need to prove anything to anyone else for your own self-discovery journey. But when you show yourself that you can achieve your goals, your self-esteem and self-confidence grow. Plus, increased self-awareness can help you better identify potential obstacles to your goals. A better understanding of yourself will also drive you to have healthier relationships. Increased self-awareness creates increased self-regulation. This can help you communicate better with friends, family members, and coworkers. You'll be able to offer sensible advice and honest opinions while regulating your emotions. To be our best selves and identify what's missing from our lives, we can always try asking ourselves some questions. This is an important self-discovery technique. Nobody can do your self-exploration for you, so take a moment during your daily routine to pause and reflect. Get rid of distractions and get comfortable with your own thoughts. Here are eight questions to ask yourself during the process of self-discovery. Number one. What do you fear the most in life and why? Number two, what lessons from your childhood have stuck with you to this day? Number three, does the job you currently have fulfill your needs and make you happy? Number four, what problems are you facing at this very moment? Number five, Do you make rash or well-thought-out decisions? Number six, what's one thing you want to improve in your life and how will you do that? Number seven, what are your top three values in life? Number eight, if you could do anything right now, what would you do? There are four stages of the self-discovery process. Self-discovery is an ongoing process that doesn't always feel the same. You'll grow and you'll change and you'll discover more about yourself. Your starting point will most likely feel nothing like the finish line. As you move throughout the process, you may experience different stages. Throughout each stage, remember to take care of yourself. So here are the four stages of the self-discovery process and what you'll experience during each of them. Number one, self-awareness. This is when you realize your needs and acknowledge different personality traits, including your strengths and weaknesses. You could struggle with self-doubt here, but you can overcome it with a bit of resilience. Being honest about who you are and what you want is crucial. When you have made mistakes in the past, how did you react? Is there a pattern? Number two, awareness of interests. Take note of your interests. What are your hobbies, likes, and dislikes? Is there a common theme? Narrowing down your interests help you both personally and professionally. Maybe the best part of your day is when you start making dinner. Bonus points if you're hosting a dinner party with all of your friends. Do you enjoy the social aspect? Is the kitchen your safe place? What does this tell you about yourself? Number three, dreams and ambitions. Make sure you put time for daydreaming into your schedule. You'll do plenty of it during your self-discovery journey. There's no limit on how many dreams you can have. Once you know what you're passionate about and what it means to you, you can add more of it to your life. These don't have to be career ambitions either. You could register for a cooking class just for fun because you dream of being a better chef. Or you could plan a trip to a faraway country you've always wanted to visit. The sky is the limit. Number four, career discovery. After all of your list-making and planning, you might want to make a job or career change. All the hard work you put into narrowing down your interests, dreams, and goals will lead you to your true self. You might identify your calling or passion in life and choose to pursue it. Will you become a chef? Or do you simply work in marketing and host a mean dinner party? Either way, Congrats! You've gotten in touch with your authentic self and what makes you happy. Now, it's time to take action. Accepting yourself is an important step towards self-discovery. It's impossible to learn about yourself if you turn a blind eye to things you don't like about yourself. If you're struggling to see yourself for who you are, you'll never be able to grow. If you're struggling with self-acceptance, Here are seven tips to help you have more self-love in your life. Include more positive self-talk throughout your day. Couldn't we all benefit from more of that? Love and embrace your weaknesses rather than trying to hide them. Take the challenging days as they come, but know that they won't last forever. Understand that your lifelong relationship Is with yourself. Do things alone to get to know yourself better. Accept the things you cannot change about yourself and move forward. And don't forget to laugh and find humor in your flaws. The bottom line? The journey of self-discovery can be overwhelming at times. Self-reflection requires you to talk about difficult things. If you need help, share your thoughts with friends and family. If you're feeling stuck or unsure about what your next move should be, discussing it with another person can help. Plus, they can cheer you on as you get to know yourself better. So when is this magical time where you become more self-aware? For me, it wasn't until I learned what self-awareness was. Until then, I was out in the world doing my own thing, not fully understanding how that fit into everything else. Just doing me. I am who I am. What you see is what you get. Have you heard or even said any of those things? Stop and listen and then think and process. And if valuable and relevant, speak. The world gives us plenty of opportunities to speak, but how many moments do we take to intentionally listen and learn? Kindred Cherry helps us understand what is self-awareness? Development, types, and how to improve found at verywellmind.com. Self-awareness is your ability to perceive and understand the things that make you who you are as an individual, including your personality, actions, values, beliefs, emotions, and thoughts. Essentially, it's a psychological state in which the self becomes the focus or attention. While self-awareness is central to who you are, it's not something you acutely focused on every moment of every day. Instead, self-awareness becomes woven into the fabric of who you are, and emerges at different points depending on the situation and your personality. It's one of the first components of the self-concept to emerge. People are not born completely self-aware, yet evidence suggests that infants do have rudimentary sense of self-awareness. Infants possess the awareness that they are a separate being from others, which is evidenced by behaviors like the rooting reflex in which an infant searches for their hand or anything that brushes across their face. Researchers have also found that even newborns are able to differentiate between self and non-self touch. Studies have demonstrated that a more complex sense of self-awareness emerges around one year of age and becomes more developed by approximately 18 months of age. Researchers Lewis and Brooks Gunn performed studies looking at how self-awareness develops. The researchers applied a red dot to an infant's nose and then held the child up to a mirror. Children who recognized themselves in the mirror would reach for their own noses rather than the reflection in the mirror, which indicated that they had at least some level of self-awareness. Lewis and Brooks Gunn found that almost no children under one year of age would reach for their own nose rather than the reflection in the mirror. About 25% of the infants between 15 and 18 months reach for their own noses, while about 70% of those between 21 and 24 months did so. It's important to note that the Lewis and Brooks Gunn study only indicates an infant's visual self-awareness. Children might actually possess other forms of self-awareness even at this early point in life. For example... Researchers Lewis, Sullivan, Stranger, and Weiss suggested that expressing emotions involves self-awareness as well as an ability to think about oneself in reflection to other people. Researchers have proposed that an area of the brain known as the interior cingulate cortex located in the frontal lobe region plays an important role in developing self-awareness. Studies have also used brain imaging to show that this region becomes activated in adults who are self-aware. The Lewis and Brooks-Gunn experiment suggests that self-awareness begins to emerge in children around the age of 18 months, and an age that coincides with rapid growth of spindle cells in the anterior cingulate cortex. So how exactly do children become aware of themselves as separate beings? One major theory of self-awareness developed by Dr. Philippe Rochat suggests that there are five levels of self-awareness. Children progress through these stages between birth and approximately four or five. Differentiation. A baby begins to acknowledge their own reflection. They may detect there's something different or special about looking at their reflection. Situation. A baby begins to recognize their own reflection, being, and movements as separate from those around them. Identification. This is the stage during which a child fully knows that is their own reflection in the mirror. They know, this is me. Permanence. They have a complete sense of themselves and can identify themselves in pictures or videos, even as their appearance changes. Self-consciousness. A child adapts a third-person point of view of themselves. They become aware of the idea that others perceive them in certain ways. This may result in feelings like pride or shame. Psychologists often break self-awareness down into two different types either public or private. Public self-awareness. This type emerges when people are aware of how they appear to others. Public self-awareness often emerges in situations where people are at the center of attention. This type of self-awareness often compels people to adhere to social norms. When we are aware that we're being watched or evaluated, we often try to behave in ways that are socially acceptable and desirable. Public self-awareness can also lead to evaluation anxiety in which people become distressed, anxious, or worried about how others perceive them. You may experience public self-awareness in the workplace when you're giving a big presentation, or you may experience it when telling a story to a group of friends. Private self-awareness. This type happens when people become aware of some aspects of themselves, but only in a private way. For example, seeing your face in the mirror is a type of private self-awareness. Feeling your stomach lurch when you realize you forgot to study for an important test, or feeling your heart flutter when you see someone you're attracted to, are also examples of private self-awareness. So, how do you grow self-awareness? There are many ways you can practice being present with yourself and your emotions, which in turn can help you improve your self-awareness. Number one, meditation. Meditation can be especially useful because you don't have to worry about changing anything. Simply noticing what happens during a meditation can be greater awareness of your thoughts and feelings. Maybe you notice that you hold tension in your body by clenching your jaw, for instance, and that you tend to worry so much about the future that it's hard to be present in the moment. This is all valuable information that can help you get to know yourself and your tendencies. How about journaling? We hear a lot about it, but journaling is a practice in self-reflection that can help you notice the ways in which you tend to think and behave and even which areas in your life you may wish to improve. It can be therapeutic. It's a great way to gain insight into your life's events and relationships. Talk therapy. During therapy, such as cognitive behavioral therapy, or CBT, a therapist works with you to address negative thought patterns or behaviors. By understanding the underlying cause of your negative thoughts, for instance, you're in a more advantageous position to change them and use healthy coping mechanisms instead. Self-awareness and emotional intelligence, or EQ, go hand in hand. EQ refers to a person's ability to perceive their own emotions as well as the emotions of other people. Someone with a high EQ is able to effectively respond to emotions with empathy and compassion. Of course, no one's perfect, and EQ is a skill like any other. But by learning to express your own emotions in a healthy way and practice active listening in your relationships, you're contributing to the expansion of your own self-awareness as well. Sometimes, people can become overly self-aware and veer into what's known as self-consciousness. Have you ever felt like everyone is watching you, judging your actions, and waiting to see what you'll do next? This heightened state of self-awareness can leave you feeling awkward and nervous in some instances. In a lot of cases, these feelings of self-consciousness are only temporary and arise in situations where we're in the spotlight. For some people, however, excessive self-consciousness can reflect a chronic condition like social anxiety disorder. While self-awareness plays a critical role in how we understand ourselves and how we relate to others in the world, excessive self-consciousness can result in challenges like anxiety and stress. Understanding was an important process in my journey, but that only came when I became more self-aware and started to listen to understand. I'm just reporting on what I see here and feel, but there seems to be this push to be right, be heard, and convert others to the way of your thinking. Not the gentle type of teaching someone uninformed to be informed and therefore make a more educated decision, but this stance of either you're for it or you're against it. Instead of trying to understand why a person believes what they believe, we judge people by what we think they believe. Remember, we're all unique human beings with this squishy thing in our heads that allows us to have ideas and opinions. We don't wake up, get plugged in, and download our line of thinking for today. At least I hope not. We listen, daydream, envision, wonder, problem-solve, absorb, grow, rationalize, and form our ideas and opinions. We also learn from experience and those around us. Yoga, mystique, and visionary, Suguru is a spiritual master with a difference, an arresting blend of profundity and pragmatism. His life and work serves as a reminder that yoga is a contemporary science, vitally relevant to our times. Saguru so looks at how unfortunately most people don't pay enough attention to what lies within. He explains how the human system is the most sensitive and sophisticated machine on the planet. When we have such a wonderful gadget in our hands, we can't afford to operate it like a blacksmith. So let's listen to how Saguru so enlightens us on how do you get to know yourself fully?
1: Just got to be introduced, that's all. (laughs) You're paying too much attention to everything around you, not enough attention to this one, but the quality of your life is essentially determined by how you carry this one. Yes or no? This moment, what kind of clothes you're wearing, what kind of car you parked outside, what kind of home you live in does not determine the quality of your life. This moment, how joyful are you feeling within yourself determines the quality of your life, isn't it so? Nothing has been done about it. You think it'll happen in consequence and you're setting impossible goals for your happiness. If I have to be happy, my wife should be like this, my husband should be like that, my children should be like this, the world should become some other way. Well, these are impossible conditions you're setting for your happiness and peacefulness. Now that you have compromised yourself to peace, why I'm saying compromise yourself to peace is because lot of people have given up aspirations for being ecstatic or blissful, if I'm just peaceful it's enough. Even the so-called spiritual leaders are going about and saying peace is the highest goal in your life. Peace is not the highest goal in your life. If you want to enjoy your lunch today, you must be peaceful, yes or no? If you're not even peaceful, there is nothing in your life that you can do in a worthwhile way. To be peaceful essentially means this, that you're not messing your mind. To be peaceful means that your system is at ease. You know how to conduct your mind, you know how to conduct your emotions, your body and your energies. You are peaceful. It is not a rocket technology, it is the most basic thing. You have a dog at home, you give him his food, he sits peacefully. Maybe not ecstatic, but peacefully. Many times they're ecstatic also. Yes? If your dog is able to sit peacefully, oh, he doesn't have to run my industry. That's not the point, he's got his own stuff going. See, it has nothing to do with the external activity that you're doing. It's got something to do with the internal systems as to how they're functioning. Essentially it means neither your body, nor your mind, nor your chemistry, nor your emotions, nor your energy are taking instructions from you. They're doing their own thing. Once your machine is not in your control, being peaceful is impossible. I'll tell you, you get into your car, And now you go there and you want to turn this way, you do this to the steering, it goes this way. Can you peacefully drive this car? Can you? No. Anxiety is natural, isn't it? This is what has happened to your vehicle. It's out of control. You've never done anything to find out where the steering wheel is, first of all. This is not that simple as a car, this is a super-super computer. Now the problem is most people have not even bothered to find the keyboard. They think if they do this, somehow it'll work. (laughs) If you make… when you're given such a highly sophisticated machine, if you do not conduct it properly, it will cause many problems to you. By accident it's working. I want you to know this, this is made this way. If you hold your hands like this, it'll breathe one way. If you just turn it around, the very way you breathe, the breathing pattern itself changes in your lungs. You you can try it if you want when you have the time. This way, this way. I'm saying everything that you do, fundamental changes are happening in this machine because it's such a sophisticated machine. It's more than a touch screen, if you just wish it, it will happen. When you have such a sensitive and sophisticated machine and you are operating like a blacksmith, then being peaceful seems to be difficult. Peace is not the highest goal in your life, it is the most fundamental requirement. Don't ever set peace as the highest goal. If you do that, you will only rest in peace (laughs) You must see, to be peaceful is the first thing in your life, isn't it? If you want to do anything sensibly in your life, if you want to do… conduct any situation in your life sensibly, To be peaceful and happy is fundamental. Such a fundamental thing is rising to heavens these days. People think they are going to be peaceful somewhere else, not here, because you have never paid attention to this machine, never paid attention to the internal mechanism of how a human being functions, what is the basis of everything that's happening within you. It takes a little bit of attention. That's why our basic program is called as Inner Engineering. We have engineered the whole world the way we want it. Much comfort and convenience has come, but well-being has not come, isn't it? Because well-being will not come. Well-being will come only when this is engineered the way you want it, only then you will know well-being.
0: Hopefully, you're feeling enlightened and informed, but also at peace. Don't let the world set the pace for your journey and your understanding. When it does, we're pushed to make decisions faster, pick sides, draw lines, exclude instead of include the way others think. Take a time out on your journey and spend the necessary time with topics that interest you, that you're curious about and that you want to take a deeper dive into. There's no rush. Have a little patience. Over at FastCompany.com, Lindsay Tagar gives us some strategies on how to be more patient with yourself. It's important to remember that one of the contributors to optimal mental health is having the tools to meet the challenges we face. This comes from licensed marriage and family therapist, Jenny Black. This last year may have presented one hurdle after another. Holding on to the roller coaster may be all you can manage sometimes, and that's okay. It teaches us to practice an often underrated skill, patience. Perhaps you aren't at the level in your career you anticipated, or you had to take a pay cut due to financial constraints, or dip more into your savings than you would have preferred. Maybe you simply can't be the outgoing, optimistic colleague or manager you were. Instead of beating yourself up, practice these strategies from mental health experts and entrepreneurs who have prioritized the fine art of patience. Use your calendar to set boundaries and provide wiggle room. One of the biggest reasons many people become easily agitated when they aren't able to maintain creative stamina during the workday is because they're burned out. Since many continue to work remotely, there's an underlying pressure to be on and available 24-7. Plus, the Zoom fatigue is no joke. For Dr. Amy cooper Heikom, an industrial organizational psychology practitioner and workplace expert, Setting boundaries is a non-negotiable step in her routine. Because life and work never go as planned, she deliberately places blocks that give wiggle room to allow for breaks. As she puts it, knowing she has extra time will enable her to take a deep breath, regroup, go for a walk, and return to her computer with renewed perspective. I set realistic, timely goals and hold myself accountable for meeting deliverables, but I also pause to reevaluate my goals and timelines if my schedule interferes with things that truly matter in my life, namely my emotional and physical health and the relationships with people who love me. I set a hard stop time to my workday and grant myself the same grace that I extend to others. Noting that I cannot help others if I do not practice self-care. Accept the hungover feeling and work to heal it. Over the past year, Adina Jacobs, co-founder of STM Goods, has actively practiced patience, not only with those around her, but with herself. She says that last year has left her with a tiredness and weariness that was difficult to shake. Not only was she not as productive, but her brain felt fuzzy, as if everything took more physical effort than it should. One of her solutions to get back on track is to accept that everyone is hungover somehow, sometime, and it's a fact of life that will take time to heal. To move forward, she puts on guided meditation that provides calmness. And she's changed the way she exercises, too. Intense cardio is exhausting me and stripping me of energy instead of setting me up for the day. Now I focus on strength and toning, which works better for me where I am right now. Redefine what success looks like. It's necessary to redefine what success means to you during extraordinary circumstances, says Amanda Augustine, a career expert from Top Resume. It's a reminder she tells herself constantly. Sometimes success is making it through a day of seemingly endless Zoom meetings without going cross-eyed. Other days, it's crossing off a certain number of tasks on my to-do lists. You have to reset your expectations and realize that sometimes okay is good enough when times are tough. Being hard on yourself, putting pressure on yourself to meet unrealistic goals, isn't going to help you succeed. Remove yourself from the downward spiral. This year may have given you a lot to handle and constantly adjusting to external forces and anxieties can make you catastrophize or indulge in downward spiral thinking. It can leave you feeling depleted. When you catch yourself doing this, it's essential to remove yourself from the situation. This may be going for a walk, writing down what's swirling in your mind, listening to relaxing music, or connecting with a friend. Whatever it is, find your peacemaker. Engage in positive self-talk and self-compassion. Is that voice in your head always impatient? If so, it makes sense that you will feel frustrated and impatient. This comes from psychotherapist, Meg Gitlin. While she says some people are more predisposed to impatience, it's also something that can be worked on, like a maladaptive habit, by cultivating healthier alternatives. A significant contributor is the way that you talk to yourself and the language you choose when you're having a rough time. If we're mean to ourselves, it becomes a ritual since thoughts usually run in a pattern. Gitlin says to try your best to shift the tone of your inner monologue. As an example, instead of saying, I'm so slow, this should have been done already. Say, this is taking more time than I'd like, but that's okay because I want to do it well. Embrace the delay instead of resisting it. Maybe you didn't get the promotion or raise you were anticipating, or you weren't able to pivot your business as effectively as you'd hoped. You may be behind on your goals. These are bummers for sure, but reframing how you think about it can build patience. This comes from Dr. Natalie Underdown, an executive coach and organizational psychologist. To do this, she suggests asking yourself questions like, How can I make the most of this time anyway? How can I use what I'm experiencing right now to grow? How can I allow this to make me stronger, better positioned to get what I really want? How can I use this experience to help others? What opportunities would never have presented themselves had I not been forced to slow down and take a detour? Celebrate progress, no matter how slow. Three months ago, it took you two days to finish a task that usually would require a half day of your time. Now, you can finish it in a day. That's progress, and it's worth celebration, even if it's not perfect or where you'd like to be at this stage in your career. It's easy to get frustrated with yourself when it's taking longer than expected to reach a certain goal you've set for yourself. Reflect on the progress you've made rather than getting frustrated at how far you still have to go before reaching your ultimate goal. Each advancement or improvement, no matter how small, is a victory. Don't discount those. Remember, working harder isn't the answer. Many people make the mistake of responding to a slow period in their productivity by forcing themselves to work overtime. This usually has the opposite impact and can lead to a big burnout fast. Working harder is not the same as working smarter, especially if your harder work results in a strain on your health, relationships, or quality of life. Take a step back from the moment-to-moment, day-to-day grind and view your work as an average over a more extended scale. You'll feel better about what you're capable of achieving and you won't get sucked into panic mode when the proverbial fish aren't biting. to share Encouragementology with a friend who needs to know they're not alone in this journey of self-discovery, you can visit Encouragementology.com or anywhere you stream your content to receive this episode and all others. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram for additional encouragement throughout the week. So I challenge you, evaluate where you are on your journey to self-discovery. To do so requires a little self-awareness. Is this a good place to stop and dig in for a while to better understand yourself and others? No need to rush. You set the pace. I know you can do it. Thank you for listening to Encouragementology with Kendall Boyson, where we find positive ways to handle some of life's challenges. through until the path was clear That's when I found you How I longed up here